Welcome to Repros Fight Back, a podcast where we explore all things reproductive health rights and justice. I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and I'll be helping you stay informed around issues like birth control, abortion, sex education, and LGBTQ issues, and much, much more, giving you the tools you need to take action and fight back. Okay, let's dive in. Hi, Repros. How's everybody doing? I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and my pronouns are she, her. So first, I want to kick off this week's episode with a huge happy birthday, Rachel. Uh, Last week was Rachel's birthday, and she is my amazing behind-the-scenes partner in crime for the podcast and the Repros Fight Back Initiative. She does all of the things that make us look good, right? She does all of our social media. So everything you see there is her. And uh, she does our website and our show notes and the transcripts. And like she does all the things that make us look good. And we are a better podcast because of her. We're an amazing initiative because of her. Like I couldn't ask for a better partner in crime. And so yeah, if you could all show the repros uh, social a little love this week, that would be really great. We had some uh, hate come our way and Rachel is the one who has to see all that with social media. So if you all could send a little love to our social, um, that would really make me happy because I Rachel could use it. So Make sure that you send your love to our social, especially our Twitter at Repros Fight Back or our Instagram at Repros FB. So send her love um, and it'll make her day a little brighter after having to deal with those hateful trolls. So thank you. Let's see what else is going on. Um, I am still... Uh, just, you know, going day by day. I, I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, checking in on my mom a lot, making sure she's doing okay. Starting to get back to some normal things. Like I was able to do some baking, which is good to be able to do that again. I'm still in a bit of a needing to do comfort reading and not my addressing my immense pile of to be read books. Like, right. I have so many books that I was excited to read, but I just am not in a place to read most of them at the moment. I really am still in the, like, I can't, the, the amount of stress I can handle is a romance where I know there's going to be a happy ending and not a lot of drama. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of cozy romance reading, um, magical romance reading, uh, to get me through all of this. So if you have recommendations, send them my way for anything cozy romance, magical romance. Uh, last year, I discovered uh, the category cozy fantasy, which was freaking delightful. Uh, I didn't know I needed that in my life. So I read Legends and Lattes. So if you have anything in that vein where it's cozy fantasy was also delightful. Basically anything without a lot of stress. That's just like a big warm hug. That's what I'm looking for right now. So send me your recommendations. You can send them at, uh, Jenny, Jenny and DC on Twitter or all books and bread on Instagram. Those are both me. So 
happy to get any and all recommendations there. Just that's where I'm at right now. I I started this week my first book that wasn't any of those cozy things and it seems to be going okay. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I just still am in that I need a warm hug mode of entertainment. I haven't turned to Great British Baking Show yet, but it's probably <laughs> it's probably going to happen soon with everything that was happening, but also other added work-related stress, including uh, the Miffy abortion case, which at the moment when I'm recording this, we don't have the decision yet, but, you know, we're we're waiting on it. Let's see. I think those are the big things of what's happening right now. So let's turn to this week's interview. I am so excited, y'all, for this week's interview. This is something I haven't done before. I mean, Rachel has been on. Um, uh, so I guess I have had someone from from work before, but uh, I'm having somebody on to talk about a work thing. So I haven't done that before. Rachel interviewed me as for an Ask Me Anything. Um, but I am super excited this week to have on uh, the lovely Bridget Kelly, who is amazing and is here to talk about her brand new report, Connecting the Dots for Population Institute. And we are getting ready. We will be talking about all things relating to SRHR and gender equality and why we need to talk about the two of them together. So with that, let's turn to my interview with Bridget. Hi, Bridget. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. So y'all, I'm so excited for today's episode because one, I have the joy of working with Bridget every day at at, at PI. Um, and so it's so exciting to finally have her on the podcast to show off how amazing she is and her great work. So Bridget, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, I am so thrilled to be here. And it's fun to see this from the other side, Jenny. It's fun to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah. Okay. So before we like fly into your amazing new report, do you want to take a quick second and introduce yourself and include your pronouns? I do. Okay. I am Bridget Kelly. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, and I am the director of research for sexual and reproductive health and rights at the Population Institute. Uh, So this new report is amazing and it just came out. So congratulations. I know how much work you put into it and it really shows because it's a wonderful report. Thank you. So it's it's connecting the dots. It's making the links between why we need to fund SRHR to achieve gender equality um, globally. So I guess maybe we'll start at the beginning and uh, and talk about what are we talking about when we talk about sexual reproductive health and rights? It's like a really big bucket. And I think people are maybe familiar with some parts of it. I mean, the podcast we shoot, we aim to like cover all of those issues, but I think it's good to have a refresher of like what it all is uh, in one place. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Jenny, I do really think it's a great place to start. Um, When I think about the overall report, I'm always so eager to just kind of jump in on how sexual and reproductive health and rights are so important to global gender equality and advancing women's empowerment um, around the world. But you're right, I think we should probably take a step back (laughs) and define what is all included under this really far-reaching umbrella of sexual and reproductive health and rights. Um, So this is when we, the co-authors, took a look at the SRHR index. 
Facts, and it's a resource produced by our colleagues at Post Feminista. And within the report, we really highlight the index because it does a great job on detailing the comprehensive list of components, the core components that make up SRHR. And, and so what they have defined that the SRHR package to include, um, there's, there's six of them here, okay? So I'm just gonna list off the six. One, comprehensive family planning and contraceptive services. Um, and that includes emergency contraception. Two, maternal health. Three, prevention and treatment of infertility. Uh, four, safe abortion and post-abortion care. Five, prevention, care, and treatment of STIs, HIV, and AIDS, as well as reproductive tract infections and reproductive cancers. And six, the prevention and treatment of gender-based violence, including the elimination of harmful practices such as female genital mutilation or cutting and child early and forced marriage. Okay, so it's a lot, right? And, and it's it's a really comprehensive list. Um, and I think one point I want to make about this comprehensive list, um, and I and I think, well, at least I hope <laughs> that the report really hits this message home, is that when we talk about sexual and reproductive health rights, we are talking about the entire package, the entire agenda. We at Population Institute and a lot of reproductive health advocates advocate that all of these components that I just listed off are included in order for all people to be able to achieve optimate health and, and well-being. I mean, Jenny, as, as we know, on the political side of things, that is not always the case. And we unfortunately see that uh, various components of this index are either ignored or outright excluded, um, especially when it comes to U.S. foreign policy and, and assistance. So it is a really good place to start to understand the, the comprehensiveness of, of the agenda um, in order to really help to advance gender equality worldwide. It's, it's one of those things that like, it's, it's so big, but it's also just like so basic to like make sure you are, have access to like all of these, these rights. Like they're, they're just so like fundamentally like, closely held and like, you need to make sure you have access to safe maternal care. Like, obviously, right? And, like, family planning. I mean, obviously, abortion. Yeah, ob like, they're just so basic. But yet somehow, like, SRHR seems to be, like, controversial. Right. And I think, I mean, that's a really important point, Jenny. I think what we are trying to show with this report is that we really need to shift that mindset of SRHR being this siloed and contentious public health issue and really understand it as foundational to advancing gender equality. Um, so, you know, these priority policies that, that, you know, I would say are fairly universal um, and, and agreed upon. Yeah, I think that's a great place to like turn to like the next part, which is, you know, I, I think you if you were to go like to the Hill or talk to people like, yeah, the empowerment of women and girls and gender equality is like, 
pretty non-controversial, right? Like everybody will say they support that. And then all of a sudden you talk about SRHR and it's like, ah, no, oh my God, this is terrible. Like we don't support that. But like they are intrinsically linked, aren't they? I, I mean, I feel like it's very straightforward. This connection to me is very straightforward. But like you said, it's often either overlooked or quickly ignored. Um, as as a foundational element to to gender equality. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Like, how are they? How? how what does SRHR have to do with ach- achieving gender equality? Yeah. And I, I mean, Jenny, I do think this is the exciting part of the report. Um, I do really like connecting these dots. So, as as we sit here, right, it's wild to think that it's 2023, and I'm on a podcast with my dear friend Jenny talking about gender inequality. Um, but I mean, it's the reality of today. We know that women's and girls and transgender, gender fluid, non-binary, um, or, or gender non-conforming individuals experience persistent gender inequality around the world today. And this gender inequality um, leaves many with fewer educational opportunities, lower income, uh, less autonomy, and less political power compared to their male counterparts. And like, I feel like we're further away. Like there was just uh, the Commission on the Status of Women and at the opening, the UN Secretary General said we are 300 years away if we stay on the same track we're on for gender equality. Like, dude, what the fuck? It's really depressing when you hear that. It's really depressing. Um, And look, there are a lot of people who are working tirelessly to, to advance gender equality. And what it boils down to is we need support and we need the financial support and we need the political will, the political investment into, into this. Um, and, and, you know, money talks, (laughs) money definitely talks. Um, sorry, I totally interrupted your answer, but like, I just made me think of the, like, that 300 year thing really threw me when I heard it. I was like, that can't be, no, that can't, oh my God. I know, right? And so clearly that demonstrates that there's just this pressing need to continue strong commitment to advancing gender equality, um, plain and simple, right? But I mean, here's the good news, Jenny, is that global gender equality and empowerment are agreed upon goals worldwide, right? Like, so- there's this collective agreement uh, to, to support the sustainable development goals. And goal number five of the SDGs or of the sustainable development goals is achieving gender equality and empowerment for women and girls. And really, the U.S. plays an extremely important role in advancing the SDGs or, or, or gender efforts around the world. Um, because the U.S. is the largest funder and implementer of global health assistance worldwide. But unfortunately, and as, as we have kind of touched upon, um, U.S. policymakers really often fail to recognize that these gender objectives are directly impacted by the availability and the accessibility um, of comprehensive sexual and reproductive health services. So yeah, so this is really where we want to hopefully shed some light on is how SRHR is important to achieving that global gender equality priority. 
And, um, you know, like when we talk about girls' education or, or women's economic and political empowerment, when we talk about women's participation in the, the labor force or the workforce, um, as well as peace and security efforts, it's, it's really vital that we draw that line and make that connection and, and understand how foundational sexual and reproductive health is. Um, so let me give you an example, okay? And, and hopefully this really like highlights that, that deep connection. Um, research tells us that girls' education and SRHR have a mutually reinforcing relationship. And that means that like early marriage and unintended pregnancies can both be a cause of and a reason as to why girls are out of school. Currently, there are 261 million adolescent girls uh, ages 15 to 19 living in the global South. An estimated 32 million of these girls are sexually active and do not want to have a child in the next two years. Okay, great. Well, 14 million of these adolescent girls, for, for a variety of reasons, have an unmet need for modern contraception and then are at an elevated risk of unintended pregnancy. That's because barriers exist to accessing family planning services or reproductive health services. And these barriers really put the U.S. commitment to girls' education worldwide at risk. And, and this is just you know, one example of how a priority policy of the U.S. is at risk of being undermined if SRHR is excluded from the big picture. Yeah. And like on top of that, like child marriage is part of SRHR. So like girls are getting pulled out of school because they're getting married. And so, again, they are these are like mutually reinforcing problems. Right. So if girls are getting pulled out of school, they may not have the agency then to decide that they want to use methods of family planning. Like it, it, it is all so interrelated and interlinked that like if you ignore part of it, you are actively doing harm to the other part. I mean, yeah, you said it absolutely eloquently, <laughs> Jenny, that when you ignore one part of it, you are inevitably weakening your efforts in the other area. And that is, that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I just, it, it just seems so like, I don't know, just like so obvious in so many levels, right? Like, okay, you want to make sure women are economically empowered and like are part of the labor force. But like, if they can't decide when and when and how often or spacing to have children, like you can't participate in the labor force. Or if you are dying because you can't get access to safe maternal health care, you are not participating in the labor force or raising your kids. And like, obviously these are, all related. Sorry, I got a little fired up. Well, no, and, and I would like to bring up one of your favorite policies or initiatives that, that uh, came out of the previous administration um, to improve gender equality through economic empowerment. <laughs> um, and Y'all can't see me, but I'm already like, <laughs> she's turning red. Um, but but yeah, as, as you scroll through the policy, you know, we, we can say that SRHR was ignored, but I would go further to say it was actively excluded uh, from, from the initiative. So yeah, it, it's just, uh, 
setting yourself up for failure if, if, if you choose to ignore this really important aspect of gender equality. Oh, man. I thought I was done having to think about Ivanka Trump, but she's just like this ghost that's coming back, huh? Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. Her big initiative to help women and girls where, as as we all said, and, you know, I will go ahead and trademark uh, my friend Tara. It was <laughs> Ivanka Trump pretends to help women. It uh, was the actual name and it just <laughs> wasn't enough. Right. And, uh, you know. Knowing you, Jenny, I think I just brought that up just to see your reaction to it. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to derail all of this. I mean, it is absolutely related, but it's just more fun to see yeah. your, your reaction to all of this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I I just, yeah, it, it, it is so basic. And like, it, you can't focus on just making sure that women and girls have access to investment or all these other things. And they are important. And that is not to say they're not important. But if you aren't making sure that they have access to basic health care, including family planning and safe maternal health care, and there's, you know, programs around gender-based violence and like that whole package of SRHR rights, if you're not in doing that, like women are not going to be able to participate in these programs because they're going to have problems related to those other things. Right. And I, I really want to emphasize what you just said too, Jenny, because I think it is really important um, that, that this is highlighted. We are not talking about a substitution um, of, of money or, or policy um, priorities uh, uh, taking away from gender equality initiatives. We're talking about an addition to the gender equality initiatives that are out there. So um, it, they, they work hand in hand um, and, and this only helps to advance. Um, investing in sexual and reproductive health and rights only helps to advance gender equality. Yeah, uh, to meet this moment, it needs to be everything everywhere all at once. Right? <laughs> I need all of the things. I mean, I think that's the theme of today, right? Meeting the moment. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, yeah, if we're not doing supporting all of the parts. So it's not saying don't invest in girls' education or don't invest in whatever. It's saying if you're not investing also in SRHR at the same time, your money in the other areas isn't going to go as far because you need to have them both together. Yes. Yes. Well said. Exactly. Okay. I guess that brings us to the money. Money, money. So U.S. investment in these issues. Okay. So first of all, when we talk about investments, um, we of course are talking about the money or money, money. Um, but <laughs> when we're, we're also talking about the political will or the investment in policy, if you will, when, when we talk about um, the investment needed in the SRHR agenda. But let's first talk about the cold, hard numbers. First and foremost, this gets a little complicated because U.S. support for, for various components of the SRHR agenda flows through multiple budget and appropriation line items. Um, we see it in bilateral family planning and reproductive health programming. We see it in maternal and child health, um, in PEPFAR, which is 
the U.S. president's emergency plan for, for AIDS relief, as well as through multilateral contributions to UNFPA and, and other funding avenues. So it gets complex. And since a lot of the components of SRHR are interwoven um, into a lot of different development priorities uh, funded by the U.S., it is extremely difficult to, to pinpoint the exact current expenditure on SRHR. But what we can do, we can examine the current funding levels for, for the family planning reproductive health programming. And that is one of the main funding streams for, for SRHR activities from the U.S. Okay. So getting to the point of what is financially needed at this point to really advance SRHR and strengthen global gender equality is a commitment of about $1.74 billion to international family planning and reproductive health programming. And that number, the $1.7 billion, is what is calculated to be the U.S. fair share contribution, and that includes $116 million for UNFPA. And this is this kind of brings us to the release of the Biden administration budget request that came out this week. When this comes out, like about a, a week and a half right, ago. Right, right. When okay. people hear it, right? Yes. So, yeah, there was an increase of the flat funding of like about $608 million that we have seen for over a decade for family planning and reproductive health programming. It was increased roughly to 657.5 million. It, I mean, does that sound about right, Jenny, the the numbers? Uh yes, I think we got the additional numbers released. Um so again, the budget, not all the pots of money are in the same place, so like it's again, it's complicated. complicated. So I yeah. think I think the final number we came up with for international family planning is 677 million about, okay. which is an 11% increase, which is great. But like you talked about the need is like 1.7 billion. I do think this is a notable um, point to make is that other global health programs were either flat funded or cut. And so what we can kind of glean from this is there is like a message that the administration does recognize the importance of sexual and reproductive health and rights. Um, but, but going back to the theme of the podcast today, this it's just not enough to meet the moment. Yeah, I think that's very true. Like, I, 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 again, the like having to be fair of like, yeah, a lot of other programs saw a cut, but also to be fair, like it's been 13 years since international family planning has seen an increase. Um, and those other programs have not suffered that same fate. So it, it all kind of it, just to be completely fair, but also like we've been flat funded for 13 years, but like inflation and purchasing yeah. power has not stayed flat. So like, I think when the math was done, and don't like quote me on this, I think it was about a 25, 20, 25% reduction in purchasing power. So like that same pot of money is not going anywhere near as far to meet the needs of the people who need access to the services. So again, really grateful for the increase. We need it. It's going to be a tough year with um, 
with the house and like I, I just yeah there's a lot that needs to be done it's not enough it's not enough right um yeah I mean and in addition to the money too we also have to talk about the investment of policy change yeah the president has the bully pulpit right like he can like be like let's support policies so did he do that that's a great question Jenny did he do that <laughs> no it's disappointing it's it's disappointing that the Helms amendment is still included uh um and and was not um there wasn't a request to to, to take up the Helms amendment um so so Helms would uh, is the the global version of the Hyde Amendment, which is domestic, which says no taxpayer funding for abortion. Helms is a little more complicated because it says that um, abortion can't be used. To, we, it will not fund abortion as a method of family planning. Uh, we'll get into details in a different episode of like why it means the administration could be doing more than they are. But. They did not ask for repeal of the Helms Amendment, which we've been pushing for a long time. They also did not include um, asking for getting rid of the Hyde Amendment around Peace Corps volunteers. So they did ask for repeal of Hyde in 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 like the broader, but in in our bucket of international funds, they did not ask for it around Peace Corps volunteers. But they did ask for some other technical fixes we've been asking for, which was good, but like. The big one that we have been really pushing them on is Helms. And it was very disappointing to see them not um, not ask for that policy change. Right. And I th- and I mean, I think it comes back to what we were talking about, including the entire agenda um, when it comes to SRHR, because these are the policies that restrict funding from um, being able to advance the entire agenda. Of course, namely abortion care um, when we're getting down to it. Um, but so there, there really does need to be policy changes to to these U.S. foreign policies that that are extremely restrictive and, quite frankly, very harmful. Um, and like you said, I know I know you go in so depth about this um, in other podcasts. I mean, frequent listeners and and uh, readers of the transcripts are probably experts on this already. But like you said, this is like the global gag rule. It has to go right. Um, it must permanently be repealed. And to do that, Congress Congress has to pass the Global Hurt Act. Um, the Helms Amendment, um, that also, as, as we just mentioned, it has to go. And there also needs to be modifications uh, to, to Kemp-Kassen Amendment so that um, in the future, we can ensure that U.S. funds are not wrongfully withheld from UNFPA. So many important parts to 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 think about. And like, I was going to say it's getting to be appropriation season, but like, honestly, with the way government funding goes, like, is it, it's just like perpetually it's like always appropriation season. season. <laughs> but also it's like more appropriation season right now, like when it should be happening. Uh, and so it's really important to be having this conversation right now of like, you can't tout your investments in in girls' education or other areas to empower women and girls if you are not also making these needed investments in sexual and reproductive health and rights. Yeah, spirit. You just can't. Sorry, yeah. y'all. 
Okay, so why is now, other than appropriation season, but like, why is this moment so important to talk about increased funding? Yeah, um, you know, okay, we, we've said this a few times, but there, you know, like, there's not enough money to meet the moment, and that holds a lot of different meanings. Um, but one of them does mean meeting the needs of the population, right? So as the world population grows so too does the need for SRHR funding in order to fulfill everybody's right to sexual and reproductive health and uh, right services. So today there's about 1.8 billion people between the ages of, of 10 to 24. And this is the largest generation of youth in history. As close to 90% of this generation lives in the global South. Like we said, flat funding, U.S. assistance for family planning is truly just undermining all of U.S. policy priorities as they're related to girls' education, women's economic empowerment, um, women's political participation. So we're not meeting the moment here. And, and these numbers, I really like to highlight them just so you can really understand how important it is to increase U.S. foreign assistance to the fair share ask in order to ensure that our efforts don't fail to keep pace with the needs of this generation, but also of the entire population. Yeah, there's more people with more needs. And like, we need to make sure that everybody, everybody has their sexual and reproductive health and rights needs met. And if we aren't funding it, it's not going to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. So much, so much to think about. Like I, I just, I, I just keep thinking back to that three hundred years before we get gender equality. If we're on the same path that we are currently on, like the investments are needed to make those changes. We need investment, but we also need the political will. We need policies to change. We need hearts and minds to change. Yeah. Like. There is so much that needs to happen. And again, I'll just go back to it. We need everything everywhere all at once to happen. Like it's all has to happen together to make this happen. Yeah. I mean, it can be overwhelming when, when we say that, right? Like it, it does get a little overwhelming when we hear that 300 years number, when, when we realize how much more money we need, how much more political will we need it it can be overwhelming okay so let's like wrap it up with what i always love to focus on which is like the tangible part like what can the audience do what can we do right now to support this yeah i think i think there's a few things that we can do right so the audience members um so the listeners or or the readers of the transcripts can always contact their congress people um and and really hit home that message that there is a need to permanent repeal the global gag rule and to repeal the Helms Amendment. Um, you can also reach out to your Congress people to, to um, urge them to support robust funding for sexual and reproductive health and rights. And, and you know what, this is going to come off a little self-promotional, so my, my apologies here, but really, truly take a look at the report. We've talked about like three or four big policy changes that are needed. Um, in order to see advancements in, in sexual reproductive health and rights and to create a more enabling environment for people to access um, their, their reproductive health services. But 
there are more and there are more related policies that that you can familiarize yourself with um, and and really bring attention to and advocate. Bridget, thank you so much. I, it was so much fun talking to you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. And Truly, it was a pleasure to be here talking with you today about the report. But I also really want to thank you for all your support and your work um, on on getting this report out. Uh, for the audience members, Jenny was instrumental in in the concept and the review of this thesis, and all of us, uh, all of the co-authors, really replied relied upon Jenny um, for her policy expertise. So. Truly. Okay, don't make me a cry. Big, 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 big thank you, Jenny. Um, and I, I do also, if I may, I would also like to name the co-authors of this report. Yes, please, because they are all wonderful as well. Really, truly. Uh, Maniza Habib, Dina Smith Ramakrishnan, and Joe Spidell. Um, like I said, I am so happy to be the one able to talk to you today, Jenny, but none of this would have been uh, possible at all without their amazing contributions. So truly a big thank you to to all of you. Yes. Thank you all. You were wonderful. It was wonderful working with all of you to get the report together. But like, seriously, Bridget thanks me for like what I did, but I know how much work they all put into it, especially Bridget to make this happen. It is a big report. It took so much work and blood, sweat and tears. And I, I, I just, it, it's an amazing product and they did a fabulous job. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, y'all. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bridget. I had so much fun talking to her. I I have to say like my favorite thing about the podcast is when I get to talk to amazing people, but I get to show off how amazing and smart my friends are. And so today was really uh, an exciting day to get to show off how smart and wonderful Bridget is to everybody. So I am glad she's shown so bright today. So thank you, Bridget. And um, yeah, if y'all have any questions or have a topic you would like us to cover, as always, you can shoot me an email at Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E at reprosfightback.com. Or you can reach out to us on social media, and that's Repros Fight Back on Facebook and Twitter and Repros FB on Instagram. And don't forget to send Rachel love on there. Like I said, she got a lot of uh, hateful trolls last week, so she could use some love this week. So if y'all could do that, that would be wonderful. Okay, with that, I will see y'all in two weeks. Bye! For more information, including show notes from this episode and previous episodes, please visit us at our website at reprosefightback.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at reprosefightback and on Instagram at reprosfb. If you like our show, please help others find it by sharing it with your friends and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.